Amen. You may be seated. And we, again, uh, let me reiterate one more time. You don't know how much we appreciate you being here. It is uh, that last Sunday before Christmas. And, and I just we just want to welcome you home. If you've never been here before, uh, as you leave this morning, there are Connect cards. And we would like for you to fill one out. And we are not going to call you and remind you that your car warranty is expired or anything like that, but we would like to get to know you just a little bit better. And we have, uh, we have a very special gift for you, uh, that we will give you just for filling out that connect card. So do that if it's been a really long time or if this is your very first time, uh, please come and, uh, get a connect card if you haven't been already given one this morning. And uh, get that filled out. And uh, we we just want you to be at home. It's Christmas time. You know, there's a lot of songs that uh, allude to being back home at Christmas time. I'm home for Christmas. Uh, you know, and, and Christmas time around home. All kinds of songs like that. But what better place to be at home in Christmas time than to be in church? After all, I heard this uh, mentioned yesterday. How in the world can you have... Christmas without Christ. That's, that's beyond me. You know, and, uh, so today is a, is that very special day. So thanks for being here again. As we, uh, as we go into just a, just a couple minutes, or, well, that's probably an exaggeration. Uh, you know, but just a few minutes when the Word of God, uh, I want to share something with you. Along the lines, since this morning is about children, I want to share with you uh, some thoughts along the power of a child. The power of a child. Now, as, uh, as I already mentioned, you know, being a, uh, being a grandparent is one of the greatest things in the world. It's one of the greatest blessings. And I know everybody doesn't get to be. And, uh, sometimes grandparenting takes on a completely different role for many than it, than it does others. Sometimes grandparents end up rearing their grandchildren and even their great grandchildren. But, uh, but it's, it's, it's such a blessing to have kids. Um, for us, kids and Christmas, it's a, it's a great anticipation. It, it's, it's, it's anticipating even though our grandchildren are starting to get a little bit older. Our, our oldest is 13 and, you know, she's getting, you know, on up that age, she doesn't like to be hugged on in public and, and all of those things, especially don't be kissing on her in public. She don't like that, you know, it's embarrassing, you know, nowadays. But it's still a great, great bit of anticipation when it comes to children and Christmas. Uh, occasionally it can come to a frustration. Um, you know, we, Around here this week, we've been preparing not only this week, but actually when it comes down to it, for several months, Haley and 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 along with Pam and Chase and Vicky and Nathan and others, they've been helping to prepare these kids for Christmas. And and probably many of you in this room this morning, unless you're that last minute shopper, you've been preparing for Christmas for a few days now, maybe for the last few months, uh, last few days, uh, last few weeks. Uh, my wife typically starts, she'll start her Christmas shopping like on Monday after Christmas this year. She starts, she starts early. She didn't, doesn't do it quite like she used to. In fact, uh, 
that yesterday we uh, yesterday uh, the uh, we had the sheriff's department come by our house to check on us for a wellness visit because FedEx and and UPS they hadn't had a delivery to our house in two days and they thought we may have died so they came to do a well no that's not really not, that's not true that's that's another exaggeration if it's true we you know so we work real hard getting ready for Christmas we put a lot of effort and a lot of time into it. Uh, you know, and we, you know, and when you think about children and, and, and their part in Christmas, you know, it, it's anxiously awaiting them to get up on Christmas morning, or it's anxiously awaiting them, uh, even if they're older, to, uh, uh, to open that special present that you've got for them, whether it's your child, your grandchild, niece or nephew, uh, uh, you may not even know the children. And in fact, you may be here this morning and you may not be related to any of the kids that participated in any way this morning. You may not even know who they are, but, but it's the anticipation that kids bring to Christmas and it's the joy. And the reality is, is that children play a lead role in how we celebrate Christmas. If you don't believe me, watch some of the commercials on TV. Uh, there's just something about a child that can warm the coldest of hearts. Uh, if, again, if you don't believe me, just ask the old Grinch. Just ask the old Grinch. Most of us this day and time know who the old Grinch is. And no, it's not your wife. Uh, but just ask the old Grinch what happened to him when he encountered uh, little Miss Cindy Lou Who. It was a child that, that in, in, the, in the story that turned the Grinch's heart warm. Children have such a way of making a difference in our lives. In Christmas time, they do try our patience and they can't get on our last nerve. But children have a way of brightening our day. If you want to see children at their best, I, I set through a training a couple of years ago. And in that, in that leadership training, the, the guy that was training us, the pastor that was training us, a very successful pastor in many ways, he said, Pastor, I want to tell you something. He said, you've got a secret weapon in your church to reach the hearts of people. He said, it's your children. He said, "He said, and understand the context given in. He said, exploit your children to reach the adults. He said, use your children to reach the adults. So, if you don't realize it this morning, those of you that are here, maybe that ordinarily don't attend here... You became a victim this morning because we exploited our children just to have you here today. And it is our great joy to have you here. And I know you're proud of them and you wanted to see them and you wanted to be here and we're so, we're so proud and glad for you. But if you want to see children at their best, let me tell you what to do. Take you, uh, and I realize these last couple of years with pandemic situations, it's, it's been very much different. But, but if you want to see children at their best, at what they do, even though they don't know they're doing it, take two or three children or four or five or take several children and take them into a nursing home facility or a, a facility for aging people or a senior care facility. Take them into a facility where people's lives are, are in that twilight season. They're down to the end of their life. and Maybe it's not even a facility. Maybe it's just an aged person that, that you know. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's just a neighbor. Take those children by to see that elderly lady or that elderly man and 
see what they do for their life in this season. They bring smiles to, children can bring smiles to those senior citizens and those, those elderly people like no one else can. Children, they have powers that they don't even realize. And oftentimes, we fail to let them capitalize on. They're powerfully influential. Uh, if you don't think children are influential, let me, let me say this, and some of you I know what I'm, you know, you're, you're gonna know what I'm talking about. If you don't think children are influential, why did you get down in the floor and play horsey when that little boy or that little girl asked you to? Mm-hmm. If you don't think children are influ- influential, how many phone calls have you taken on a plastic phone? Or one that's not even hooked up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many times, how many times, if you don't think children are influential, how many times, like the, the soldier there in that picture, how many times have you ever had to play, if you're like Sarah and I have been over the years, we have ate at Cracker Barrel day after day after day because our granddaughter had a ploy cash register and she, for whatever reason, she always pretended she was a server at Cracker Barrel and every time she came to our house, we had to eat multiple times. Did we want gravy on our biscuits? Did we want ham? And she would, and she would always want us to pay by credit card. She may have our credit card number these days. Who knows? So when it's time to play restaurant, you place your order. That's the power of a child. You know, they don't always get their way. But when you're grandparents, they tend more to than usual. So one might say that children have a very special place in the kingdom of God. They're very special creations. Now, we all can think about, you know, this time of year, a lot of people give puppies for Christmas presents. And puppies are really fuzzy and and cuddly and and cute, but puppies grow, beagle puppies especially, but they grow into bigger dogs. And we know our children, Lord willing, if our children, if the natural thing occurs in their life, it's supposed to happen, they're going to grow up and they're going to mature and and hopefully someday they're going to marry and hopefully someday they're going to have their own children and then we're going to have more great-grandchildren or great-grandchildren, and the cycle just continues on. But children have a special place in the kingdom of God, especially while they're small. The psalmist counted children as our heritage. In fact, if you read the 137th Psalm, it's where you can find that. He says, children are our heritage. And he even equates, the psalmist equates children as being a blessing from God. How can anybody mistreat one? It's beyond me, but sometimes they are. How can anybody neglect one? It's beyond me, but sometimes they do get neglected. And we find that Solomon, in all of his wisdom, he he had a godly wisdom that, that he could have had anything in the world he wanted. But he says, God, I want you to impart to me your wisdom. Solomon, his wisdom said, children are a crown to the age in Proverbs chapter 17. They're, they're a crown to the age. There's something, most of the time anyway, that we can be proud of. It's, we, we always look and behold, even when, even when they've not been the best in the world, we look at them with a certain amount of pride and joy. 
In fact, if you read in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 19, that you'll find over there that, that people were trying to bring their children to Jesus and the little children were trying to get to Jesus. You know, uh, I, I picture it, you know, sort of like we have in this day and time. You know, uh, uh, you walk in just about any store right now and, and there's a chair there or there's a little scene and, and, and some, some guy named Santa is there and, and kids, parents will line up with their kids and they'll be lined up and they'll wait an hour just to get to talk to the fat guy with the white beard and the red suit and and, and you know we all we have fun with that and and you have to put it in the proper perspective but back in in when we look at the scripture in Matthew we find that the children were wanting to come I can see them wanting to set up on Jesus's lap and and talk to Jesus about some things that were going on in their life but there were some religious people there some some of Jesus Jesus' right-hand men, if you would, that wanted to stop that. They said, no, 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 don't, don't let these children be bothering Jesus. And Jesus actually rebuked them. And, and he said those words probably you've heard before. And, and he says, suffer not the little children to come unto me. He said, in other words, he said, don't stop them from coming to me. In fact, he went, Jesus went on to say that they're like unto, or I compare them to the kingdom of heaven. Some of you are saying, Lord, I hope heaven's not like my kids. But childhood is probably the best season of life. By nature, kids have an innocence about them. They really do. Kids have an innocence about them. You you take two kids, two little boys, playing in their sandbox. I don't guess they do that anymore, do they? Playing in their, we had a sand pile. We didn't have just a box. And, and two little boys playing in their sandbox, playing in their sand pile with their with their Tonka trucks. Can you, does anybody remember Tonka trucks? Mm-hmm. Playing in the sand with their Tonka trucks. Two little boys they get they get in a disagreement over the Tonka trucks. They get in a disagreement over who, who's going to have the right of way at the intersection in the sandbox. Two little boys they have a fuss. One punches the other one in the nose. Then the moms and the dads get involved. Five minutes later, the little boys are back out playing in the sandbox and the mom and dads don't speak to each other for the next five years. Kids have an innocence about them. And that's what, that's what Jesus was, was relating to. That's what he was alluding to. You see, children are not driven by political issues. They're not driven by social, uh, matters. They're, they, they like synonymism, if you would. They, 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 uh, in, they don't question things and they don't ponder things like we do. In fact, most of children, and that's exactly why we're here, and that's why we want children here, is to tell them the message of Jesus because they don't have to figure out, well, why, why did Jesus come? Why was Jesus born in the manger? They, you could tell them that and they believe it and they lay hold of it and, and, and they don't mind discussing it with people and sharing the news. So children are very special. And when it comes to children, they know us very well as parents. And in particular, I'm going to uh, take a moment to reflect on the role of the father, the dad. And whether it's 
the actual dad. You may be a granddad raising children. You may you may be a uh, you may be a, a female, and you may be filling the role of parenting role of both the mother and the dad. But when it comes down to it, listen, our kids are smart. Kids are smarter now than they've ever been, actually. And when it comes down to us, our kids know that there's really not a naughty list. We can tell them that all we want to. But they really know there's not a naughty list. They really know that there's not lumps of coal shows up in their stocking on Christmas morning. They know there's not going to be switches in the stocking with the lumps of coal. They know all that stuff. And I want to tell you something, you modern day moms and dads, they really know that the elf on the shelf is not real. Kids are smarter than we give them credit for. But one thing that kids do know, I think kids do know when they're loved. I think children know when they're loved. Even sometimes, my family wasn't a family that, that, that habitually told one another what we loved one another. But yet at the same time, I know that my, uh, I know that my dad loved me. My mom loved me. I, I, I know that. I have no doubts about that. Children can tell when they're loved. And that brings us down to to the point that we have a heavenly father that has that kind of love for us. In fact, it's a love that exceeds that type of love. But Jesus made it a point to tell us in Matthew chapter 7. He said, if you ask for bread, he said, I'm not going to give you a stone. He said, if you ask for a fish, I'm not going to hand you a snake. What does all this have to do with a child? We go to that story, that all familiar story, this time of year especially. Luke chapter 2. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea and to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged, who he's pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While there, excuse me, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes, placed him in a manger, because there were no guest rooms available for them, or if you're reading the traditional King James Version, it says there was no room for them in the inn. So isn't it a little bit weird? Don't we think it a little bit weird? That God's incarnate beginning occurs as a child. And we're talking about God. We're talking about God that speaks things into existence. Out of chaos, He formed the world. He, he speaks the stars, the planets. He spoke everything into existence. He spoke the morning and the evening into existence. We find all of that when we go back to Revelation. He's a God, He's a God that does not depend on any outside source for anything. He is the source of everything. He can speak everything again. Why didn't God just speak His incarnated existence? Why did, why didn't He just become in existence as a 25 year old college graduate? Why didn't he come into existence as a, a, a well-aged man that would appear to be full of wisdom? Why didn't he do all of that? Uh, I would this morning that when we begin to think about God, 
and His incarnate existence coming to us as a child, it speaks of His, number one, of His innocence. It speaks of that innocence that I spoke about of a child. The innocence that's not shown and given over to partiality, that's not given over to to politics, to, to social injustices, whatever they, maybe he's not, not given over to any of that thing. He just comes innocently. You, you know, you know, so, sometimes, you know, ch- children, children, the things that they learn, the things that they learn to like and dislike, the people that they learn to like and dislike, do you know, all of that is exactly what I said. It's learned behavior. You know, when that child is born, they don't know the difference. They'll love whoever comes along and loves them. Jesus was born, God in the flesh, in innocence, without partiality. And then, and then when you think about him being, being, being incarnate as a child, coming as a new birth, birth of a woman that had never been with a man, it speaks of him growing and living and experiencing every facet of humanity that anyone can experience. And the writer of Hebrews addresses that. He says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to, not, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just like we are. You see, Jesus, Jesus knew everything a five-year-old boy, per se, would go through. He knew everything a, 12-year-old boy, as a Jewish boy especially. He knew what a 12-year-old Jewish boy would go through. Jesus experienced everything in like manner that we will go through from the time of of a birth up until through adulthood. Jesus experienced the hurt, the anguish, the pain that we experience. And all of that is for a reason. That He may relate to our needs. You see, Jesus is not only the most powerfully influential child to ever live, but he's also the most controversial. He's the most controversial child because uh, he is the child that changed the course of the world. Now, there's been a lot of famous children that have been born in the world throughout time. John the Baptist was famous, but John the Baptist didn't was it the one to change the course of the world? The Apostle Paul was famous, uh, but he didn't change the course of the world. You were pretty famous. Just ask your mom. I was pretty famous. I was my mom's best child. If you don't believe me, ask my sister. My mom was still alive. She would tell you I was the best one. I really wasn't, though. But this child changed the world. It not only changed the course of the world, but I want you to listen real close to this statement I want to make to you. This child, this baby Jesus, not only changed the course of the world that we live in, but it changed, see, didn't just change, but it established the pathway to eternity for us. So Jesus didn't come just to change this world, but He came to give us access to the world beyond. You see, we read Scripture, 
we find out that this life isn't what it's all about at all. In fact, this life, I, I read the other day that we have a pastor friend that pastors our sister church in Dublin, Virginia, and I believe his mother turned 104 this past week or last week, and 104 years old. That is amazing. But you know what? The 104 years old is still just a temporary circumstance. But there is an eternity. There's an eternity, an eternity. We know that story. We, it's not really a story, but we know the fact of the matter that according to Scripture, eternity, there, there's two decisions for eternity. It's either heaven or hell. And Jesus made the way. He not only came in and changed the course of this world that we live in, but he, he laid before us the pathway for eternity. A pathway where we're no longer dependent on, like in the Old Testament, they were dependent on some priest to do his job and to do it right and go in and make sacrifice in the temple. All that ended and all that went away with when Jesus was nailed to a cross. So that birth in the manger... He changed this world. And then on the cross of Calvary, He paved the pathway for us to go and inherit eternal life. It was a sacrifice, listen, in both instances that was made with flesh and blood. You see, there, there was, there, it was a flesh and blood occurrence when Mary gave birth to Jesus. It probably wasn't a pretty sight, to be very honest with you. It was probably a very painful experience. Can you women say amen? And then to be nailed to a cross. You see, it's that, it's that started with a child, a child that was birth of a virgin laid in a manger and that child grew and that child lived and that child experienced all the pains of life in, in, in some fashion, in similar fashion that you and I will ever experience according to the Word of God. And then completed the roadway, the pathway to heaven as an innocent man nailed to a thief's cross. All for us. The power of a child. Your children and my children. I'm going to say, i got to make an honest confession this morning. Sarah and I have overspent for Christmas. Now, we're not in debt for Christmas, but we spent more than we intended to. You know why? There's two reasons. One's named Jalen, the other one's named Keaton. They're our grandkids. Okay? They have great influence over Granny and Pa's life. Mm-hmm. I admit to that. But I'm talking about an influence of a child that changed the world and paved the way to eternity for every single one of us. I'm talking about the power of a child to redeem a lost world. Not just a lost nation, but a lost world. And he did it with one, for one reason, with one motive. And most of us can quote it, most of us know it. And we call it, you see it, if you watch football games, you got that guy that's always in the end zone holding up that sign at John three sixteen on it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave him in a manger and he gave him on a cross just for us, just for you.
just for me. So that's the power of a child. That's the power of a child. You know, if I was in trouble and I wanted somebody to come rescue me, I would like some big husky guy. I want, I want somebody, big old guy like Brennan back there. He's about seven foot tall, got muscles bulging out everywhere. He's not married, by the way, ladies, you know, if you're available. And, uh, but, 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 you know, if I want somebody to come rescue, come, come get me out of trouble, I want somebody like that. Looks like, he looks like the Hulk in person, you know. But a little child, was the hero that came. Not wearing a cape, but just wrapped up in a swaddling blanket to save the world. I want you to bow your heads with me just for a moment. Father, we thank you for the birth of your only son, Jesus Christ. You becoming incarnate here on earth in order that we could be saved. I thank you for the power of that child. I thank you that that child lived, grew, matured. That child experienced every temptation that we will ever experience. Every heartache, every toll. But he did so without sin. Father, I know that I can't do that. Nor can anybody else in this room or anybody that's watching. But Lord, I do know this. That that child came to be a substitution for me. Lord, in all of my fallacies, all of my erroneous ways, all of my mistakes. Lord, we're born up of that child that grew and was nailed to a cross. So today I thank you for the power of a child. I give you praise, I give you glory, I give you honor for that baby Jesus that lived and grew, bled and died. I thank you for your child. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, and I'm not going to embarrass anybody, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tarry and drag this out, and I'm not going to, definitely not going to come back to you. With heads bowed and eyes closed in this room this morning, is there one person in this room that says, Pastor, I know I need to make a decision for Christ this morning. I need to receive the power of the child. I need to accept Jesus as my Savior this morning. If you're here and you've not done that, it's a great day. What a great Christmas gift. What a great decision time. Or if you, if you've drifted far away, if you drifted far away and your relationship with the Lord has grown and waxed cold and and you're backslidden on Him. And you need to renew your commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. If either of those situations pertains to you and you would like prayer, I just want you to raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me. Anybody in this room? Anybody in this room at all? take it by that that everybody's comfortable with where you're at with God this morning and I want you to look at me right now but just in case just in case I want you to I want you to I want us to pray a corporate prayer this morning and I'm I'm gonna lead us in that corporate prayer and I just want to ask that you would just pray after me pray along with me repeat after me and let's just uh, ask the Lord to do some great things this morning 
So if you'll join me by saying, Happy Birthday, Jesus. Thank you for being that wonderful child. Thank you for being a glorious Savior. Today, Jesus, I surrender to you. I want you to have my all. My everything. Forgive me of all the things that I've ever said and done. Wash me in your love. Cleanse me with your blood. And make me a new person in you. Lord, I thank you for you are Messiah. You are Lord. You are Redeemer. And I thank you for saving me. And I accept that not because of what I feel, but I accept that through faith. Faith in your word. Faith in your person. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you're not, if you're here and you're not saved, or you're here if you needed to rededicate your life, but you, you were hesitant to make that known, let me tell you something. You have prayed a simple prayer, but if you will let that prayer be yielded out of your heart, and you'll walk out of this place in faith believing that Jesus heard, and He did, and He answered, and He will your prayer, then you're saved. You're saved. You just got to lay.